0: How and when was this disproven? I don't know. You'll have to go check all that out, but it was disproven early, so Bravo can do their due diligence. Okay. I don't really know. I guess the question is, like, is the proof available to the public? Is yeah, duh. Tell them to go and read everything that my lawyers put out and that they can answer their own questions. Thank you. so nasty and so rude hello everyone welcome to everything iconic with me danny pellegrino that was a clip from this week's season premiere of the real housewives of beverly hills bamboozle jane is back it's the greatest bamboozlement i've ever accomplished and boy do we have a lot to talk about i mean that scene with the producer where she was just slurring through her words where she was saying bravo could do their due diligence she couldn't say the word diligence Which it's a hard word. I actually understand that. I'm on her side with that one. But she was just being so rude to the producers. Let Bravo figure it out. Fucking thank you. Let him figure it out. And I just think if we got like a little bit of more humility from her, then I think more people might be on her side. But it is hard to be on somebody's side when they are so mean. Just mean. That's like the only word I could think of is mean. She seems mean to the producers. And meanwhile, it's like the producers are doing a show. And if you don't want to be on that show, then maybe don't be on the show. But obviously you need the show. Because you need to pay the bills, and I'm sure there's lots of legal bills and lots of stuff going on that she needs to pay the bills for. So I understand that she's got to pay them bills, but then be nice to the producers who are doing the show for you. I don't know. I wonder if she's mean to them off camera other times, or did she not know that she would come across mean when she was sitting down with that person? I don't know, let Bravo do their fucking due diligence. She couldn't say. <laughs> I loved that. I love that she couldn't say diligence. I mean, it's a hard word. And sometimes you're in those confessions, I would imagine. You could, tongue-tied, tongue-twisted... Uh, but she didn't need to be so mean, and if I just saw a little bit more humility, I can maybe be on her side, because I sometimes think I want to be on her side. I want to. We want to root for Erica Jane, especially after last season, where I think they edited her to be a big monster and not a very nice person. I thought we would go into the season, and like Bravo always does, they take us on that roller coaster, they make us like a woman one season and then hate them the next. I thought for sure we'd be coming into this season and we would all want to be on Erica Jane's side, because they would edit her in such a way that she was nice. But it seems that's not what they're doing. Again, we're getting a season two of Bamboozle Jane, because uh, it seems like she does not want to be nice. Anyway, there's lots going on in the hills of Beverly, as they say, because not only do we have all the Bamboozle Jane stuff, we also got this Dorit break and robbery thing, which is so heavy. And we're going to talk about, it, and we're here on Everything Iconic to have some laughs. So we're going to have some joy, some laughs, we're going to... He he ha ha. Our way through this recap, but I do want to say off the top, I feel bad for everything that the Dree Kemsley family is going through, because it could, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine going through something like that. And so my heart goes out to Dree, to PK, PK, and I was my heart was breaking for PK when he showed up, and then when they couldn't find the cell phone at the end, which we're going to talk about. My heart was breaking them for Jagger for the whole family. I just can't even imagine living through something like that. And so, Dorit, uh, we are sending our love to you, and we hope that, you know, it all is good now, as it seems to be. But, uh, you know, the, the real silver lining to all of this is that the family is okay. And yes, they might have taken some bags or some jewels. I don't even know exactly what they took. Which, fuck those people for stealing. You know, I, that's unfortunate that these people would come in and gunpoint, uh, point a gun at Dorit's head. I mean, it's so unfortunate, but my heart goes out to them. And luckily, everyone is safe, healthy, and happy. So we're going to go into the rest of the recap having some fun, having some laughs. Uh, and I just wanted to say up front that my apologies in advance if I say anything that is uh, uncouth, because we're here to laugh at these women. And that's what we're going to do. God damn it. Anyway, we open with that ominous break-in footage, which, by the way, just the other night, you guys, i got to tell this story, and this is obviously nothing compared to what Dorit went through, but the other night here in Los Angeles, something that happens a lot, is when there's someone on the run or on the loose there's helicopters that show up. And so I don't know why exactly that is. But there's something at nighttime, sometimes you'll just have helicopters hovering, And the other night, we had a helicopter that literally must have been right above us. It was like right above us. And I usually fall asleep early. And then Matt goes to the other room to watch TV. And so I was in bed already. Contacts are out. I can't see anything without my contacts or glasses. And all of a sudden, the helicopters literally right up my ass. It's like you hear just the, you see the light, and they're basically just circling the house. Just circling the house. I don't know if they were looking for someone on the own. I'm not sure. But they're circling the house. And so I get up, because it's so fucking loud. It sounds like they're filming, I don't know, Bad Boys 4 in your house. Uh, but I get up to close the windows, to close the doors, and as I get up, we just got this new bed frame for the bed, and it's like a wooden bed frame, and I'm still not used to where it is, and so I, of course, naturally trip, and I cut my shin on the bed frame. So I'm bleeding, and it's a wooden bed frame. So I'm freaking out in my head because this is a bed frame from Bottery Barn, which is a lot of money for me. I mean, I spent a lot of money on this bed frame, okay? So I'll be damned if I'm going to ruin it after less than a week from some blood because I'm uh, clumsy trying to close windows. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. You know, I touch my leg, and I feel like it feels like it's bleeding. You know, but I was, again, half asleep. So I'm, like, yelling, I'm bleeding. And Matt was in the military. And so if somebody screams they're bleeding, he turns into military Matt, and I don't know what he was doing, grabbing, I don't know, weapons or something. It was like I was yelling at him, like, Matt, I'm bleeding. Like, all I was really saying was, like, get me a rag. I didn't want to move any further because I didn't want to get blood on any of the Uh, bed frame, on the wooden bed frame, because in my head, I was thinking, it's going to stain, and then we're fucking out of the bed frame money. You know, then I'm fucked. And uh, so luckily... Didn't get any blood on the bed frame, but I did cut my shin open, and I was freaking out. And Matt, meanwhile, I mean, he must have thought somebody was. I, he, I heard him like, I heard him kind of doing like a a slow like creep walk. And what I know he was doing was like, I felt like he got the bat, he got a weapon or something, and he's like on the lookout, military Matt, and was like ready to come in. He thought a robber came in because the helicopter was circling the house, and then I'm screaming, I'm bleeding. <laughs> Luckily, we were all okay, uh, and the most important thing. The most important thing in that situation is that there was no blood that got on the wooded bed frame. And so I just have to say, thank God for that. And so again, it was nothing like Dorit. I'm not saying it was anything like the Dorit break-in. However, it is scary in the middle of the night when you're half awake, so I couldn't even imagine what would happen if there were actual people in the house, and they were coming in, and Dorit said, I thought this was it, this I'm going to die. Ah, you guys, so heartbreaking, so heavy. And not only that, we just came from Atlanta, where they had the season premiere, and they had the Gala Gal. Everything was nice and light, fun. We saw Sheree's basement. It was really a good time. And now we're over on the hills of Beverly, and it's all pretty heavy stuff. As it always seems to be on Beverly Hills. It's like, I, I feel like they go into each season wanting to film the glitz and the glamour, and just like expensive houses and dresses and that kind of thing. And then always the darkest stuff tends to happen in the Hills of Beverly. I don't why do we keep calling it the Hills of Beverly. I'm not sure, but it's doesn't it seem like that? It's like they can't plan that. It just happens naturally. The darkest stuff in the Housewife Universe happens in this city that's all supposed to be so glamorous and everyone's got the facade that everything's good. And then we have all this really heavy, intense stuff. So I don't know. And I, yeah. I don't know. Then we cut to three days earlier, because the break-in happened. That's how they opened the episode. But then we cut three days earlier. We we're at Kyle's house. Uh, Kyle the Splits Richards just got the blue invite for Paris's wedding. Now, I'm very excited about all this stuff with Kathy and Kyle and Paris, and I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I'm nervous. Kath wasn't even in this episode. And by the way, we got the biggest cast, I think, in Beverly Hills of history. We got eight cast members. Diana Jenkins, who we have not met yet, she was not in the premiere, but I'm excited to meet her, get to know her, find out who she is. Kath wasn't in the premiere, so we're going to have to see, catch up with her later. But then we cut to Erica, Bamboozle Jane, and Rinna, who, uh, Rinna, she's got the Gucci purse, but it's really like, she's got a mini Gucci purse in that. And what I really want to talk about, and I, I think we've really said all this before, but it bears repeating, that every time we're in a scene with Erica and Rinna, we're doing a lot of like, ah! It's like a lot of, I'm sorry to do that to your drums, but you guys know what I'm saying. We're doing like a lot of screeching sounds every time we're in a scene with them. And it happened last season. It seems to be happening again. Every time it's like, hey, bitch. Ah! And it's just like, it's painful to the ear. Like, I can't take it anymore. And I think it's a way, I actually was trying to analyze a little bit more this, this episode because I was like thinking, Rina comes from the world of acting. And in acting, before you get on camera, you kind of have to perk yourself up, right? Like, you do your kind of a vocal warmups and you do your red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. You try to warm up the tongue and you try to do some facial, facial exercises so that you're perky and you have some caffeine because you gotta be, perked up on camera. And so I almost think that Rena kind of goes back to that. And then I was just thinking, I wonder if on the set of Melrose Place, when she'd get into a scene with Heather Locklear, if she'd just jump in the scene before the red light came on, and she's like, ah, Heather Locklear, hey, bitch, ah! Because we're just doing it so much, and it needs to stop. (laughs) I don't know if that's an acting technique or not. But uh, Erica Jane seems to have taken it on as well. And it's too much. The noises. It's like it's too much. And and maybe it's not even on them. Maybe it, like we need to edit that out somehow. I mean, can't the producers? I'm sure when they're sitting in the editing bay, they could cut that footage out of the episode. Because it's. Am I the only one that feels that way? And I can. I don't want to be. I don't want to be critical of people's voices because people are critical of mine. I see it all the time online. You know, people send me a message saying they hate my voice or whatever. I get it. Not everyone likes everything. By and large, though, most people are really nice about my voice, so I'm not here to play the victim. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Most people are, 99% of people are nice. However, it makes me sympathetic. I don't want to complain about somebody's voice, but every time we see Rina on camera, we're getting the, Ah! Hey, bitch! <laughs> I don't want to hear one more, hey, bitch. I don't. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I don't even know what they talked about. I don't know, probably some secrets. Money. I spiced up the soundboard With all of our Beverly Hills sound effects So I'm back baby Ready to do this thing Then we cut to Crystal's house She's making dinner I'm excited for Crystal I think Crystal's really going to be a star this season Last season was her first season She seemed to to get in the mix right away And I felt like we just scratched the surface So we got some good stuff with Crystal I'm feeling really good about where we're at with Crystal I feel like she's really going to bring it I'm excited Then meanwhile, Garcelle and Sutton, their besties They're over in Miami for a massage and Garcelle's doing that thing that the housewives do where they're doing a very kind of a cheeky, what they think is a very funny line. So she was getting a massage. She's like, oh, yeah, I like it deep and hard. And it's like she, she was trying to be funny. And I'm not sure that it worked, but it was a bit. She was doing a bit. She was doing a bit. She's doing a bit. Everyone's doing a bit sometimes. You know, God bless. Uh, meanwhile, Dorit was in London at this time. She's got lots of luggage we saw at the airport. The son wanted to go to the candy shop, and I get that. When I'm at the airport, I will spare no expense on candies, on chocolates, on stuff for the plane, magazines, trash magazines, anything for that plane. I will buy anything at the airport gift shop. And so me and Jagger, we would travel well together because we'd just go get some candy, some snacks, some Gardettos. We'd get some Us magazines, some OK magazines, some Us Weekly, some what are the in-touches. I will get every episode of in-touch I can find on that newsstand bookstore, bookshelf. Get me the in-touch. I never read in touch in my life until I go to the airport and then suddenly I'm like an in touch connoisseur. Like give me all the in touches, give me the people mag, give me the, I will get mags that I've never even seen or heard before. Getting the ladies home journal. I'm getting the better homes and garden. I'm getting the details magazine, the GQ. I'm getting, I mean, I am loading up when I'm at the airport bookshop. So I feel the same way about candies. I'm getting snacks I've never had before in my life. I'm getting the cheese nips. I don't normally eat the cheese nips. I normally eat the cheese it's. But I'm getting the nips when I'm at the airport. I'm getting the Gardettos. I'm getting the flavors of Gardettos that I'm not even ever interested in. I normally just like the cheese ones. But when I'm at the airport, I will, get any, I will get the regular version. I will get the kind that have no seasoning on them. And I will enjoy the hell out of them. I'll get the candies. I'll get the mambas. I don't normally like the mambas candies. Normally, I'd go for a Starburst. But when I'm at the airport, I will get the mambas candy. I will get anything they put in front of me. Get me the king-size Kit Kat. I will get the flavored Kit Kats. I'll get the the dual Kit Kats that's like the mint and the chocolate flavor. I mean, I will get it all. Load up. Load up. So me and Jagger, I think we'd have a good time. Then uh, we see Kyle. She's working out with Porsche. Porsche's 13 already. 13. 13. Apparently, Porsche was struggling last season. We saw that on the show, but she's good now. And Porsche's bat mitzvah looked like a good time. I wish we saw a little bit more of that. I mean, we got to see a little snippet of it. Uh, but they are boxing together. Good, great, good for them. Then Sutton and Garcelle in Miami, they're talking about the Angels for Humanity event. That's what they're doing there. And they're just two single gals on the town because Sutton's boyfriend and her broke up. And so I'm excited to see single Sutton, see what happens there. Uh, then we cut back to Bamboozle Jane and Rina. And it's revealed that Amelia's moving to New York City. And Erica, this is, this is another time we get like, and now Erica's matching Rina's energy and Erica's like, what? She gave us a, go back and rewind it, she gave us a what, but it was like a really like a elongated what. It was like, what? What, bitch? <laughs> I can't do a good impression, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Every scene with those two. What? Hey, bitch! <laughs> anyway, it's a lot. Anyway, Rinna says that Rena Beauty's doing really well. Rena Beauty's doing really well. We saw a little clip of Lois too, advertising Rena Beauty, and uh, we know from social media, unfortunately, Lois has passed, and that just makes me sad. Lois, may she rest in peace, a queen and icon and a legend. And I, I don't know what's going to happen because I think that we see that play out on camera. But I just have to say, and I know a lot of people aren't always fans of Rena on this podcast. Look, I just dragged her to filth for the way she enters every fucking scene. But I do want to hope that we go ahead this season and grant her a little bit of grace knowing that Lois has passed. And I couldn't imagine, we said this on Salt Lake City, that Meredith Marks, she filmed a whole scene, she, she filmed a whole season, she engaged with the women for a whole season after a parent died. And I couldn't imagine a parent dying and then you have to go film this reality show. So I'm just hoping that we go forward and grant her a little bit of grace because again, that would be a nightmare. And so I'm not saying that we need to excuse everything that Rena does this season. But I am saying that we need to grant some grace because think about a parent passing and you got to film a reality show. Not okay. Uh, Rinna also got the confessional with the new hair. That was nice. Uh, Erica reveals that she's got a secret admirer. She's having some new sex. And she said, I'm much more interested in sex with nice people. Um, wait, what did she say? Nice people and not so nice people. I don't know. She's interested in sex. I wrote that down wrong. She said something about being interested in sex with nice people or not nice people. I'm not sure. Uh, But it's revealed that, so, Rena is pissed because Sutton was on Watch What Happens Live, so now we're breaking the fourth wall. And Sutton brought up this charity event for Elton John, and Rena's pissed because she was at the charity event, and she wasn't a guest of Sutton's, but then she was at Sutton's table, and Sutton said she didn't thank her for coming to the table or something. And then Rena was saying, I don't know if this was on the show or if this was social media, but Rena was saying that Sutton just really wanted to be on the show. And so Rena said, oh, I'll sit at your table to help you get on Beverly Hills Housewives. I, was, I don't know what's the truth. We're going to have to find out. We're going to have to watch what happens live and go to bravoTV.com for more information because I'm not sure who signed him on on that one. I don't know. I I think my gut, I don't know. I think my gut is on Sutton's side on this one, but I'm not sure. Because I also... I don't know. I think Rena. I think I was reading on social media or something. I think Rena was making some points, and I'm like, uh-oh. I, am I going to be on Team Rena this season? No. No. Am I? No. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Then we cut to Crystal's house. Sutton arrives. Her and Sutton are good now. Crystal's still redoing the basement. I like this duo. I'm very into it. Sutton, she talks about her ideal man, because now she's got an opening for a man in her life, and she says she wants tall, educated, handsome, and likes cats. And I support that, Sutton. I support that. I mean, really, I think she's looking for John Arbuckle is the kind of man that I imagine. (laughs) When she explained that, that's what I was thinking. You know John Arbuckle is, of course, Garfield's owner, um, for those of you who are unsure. Or maybe you heard me say John Arbuckle, and you're like, why do I know that name? It's because it's Garfield, the cat's owner. So John is who I imagine Sutton being with. Like When she explained that she wanted tall, educated, handsome, likes cats... I really thought, like, the first image that popped in my head was, like, a Garfield comic strip. And then it seemed to click for me, where I was like, oh, yeah, like, they'd be perfect together. (laughs) Like, those, doesn't that make a perfect sense? Like, you know, in the Gar, maybe some of you aren't familiar, let me just give you some background on the Garfield comic strips, which I know very well. I was a big Garfield comic fan as a kid. So, in the comic strips, John has the girlfriend, who's the veterinarian. And in the films, was played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, of course, a legendary actress, a woman ahead of her time in many ways. So Jennifer Love Hewitt played John Arbuckle's love interest in the movies, and for some reason, I was just picturing like, yeah, I, I don't know, I was just picturing like Sutton in place of Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I can't explain that really. I I can't I can't let you guys inside my brain, although I wish I could sometimes. Uh, but it makes sense in there. It makes sense. Like, that's what's rumbling around up there. And so I think we need to take our quick commercial break. But while we do, if you're going to listen to these commercials or you can fast forward whatever you do, I just would like you to just think about Sutton starring in a live-action Garfield film alongside uh, her love interest, John Arbuckle. And so please enjoy this commercial break. Thank you to Acast. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, And we'll be right back. And we're back. I wanna be Okay, so then we got to Erica and Garcelle with the trainer. And they were in a place in LA called like Slay or something like that. Or that was the workout. It was called Slay. And I was just thinking, like, it's such a Los Angeles gross thing to, like, name your workout Slay. <laughs> It was just bugging me. And I can't even explain it. And maybe I was just in a grumpy mood as I was watching. But I was just like, man, I hate that workout classes are just like called sleigh. And it might not have even been called. I thought it was called that. But maybe it was just like the woman kept saying it, the trainer. And it just felt really gross to me. But again, I know that everyone, I've said this before on this show, when you're a trainer, or you're someone who does like the spin classes or something like that, you have so many fucking endorphins running through your body. So much serotonin is loose up in your skin that you say and do crazy shit, and you're just in a crazy, constant, good mood. And so I understand those people who are running around in a workout, trainers, who are yelling, Slay! And I get that, because they just have too much endorphins. And if they were to take a step back and have an endorphin depletion, they might think about it differently, and they might not always say that. So, uh, you know, it was interesting to me. But Erica said she was ordering way too much Taco Bell, and she was waking up and she was seeing wrappers of Taco Bell. And you know we love Taco Bell here on Everything Iconic. Nothing better. Nothing better. And honestly, I was starting to get on Bamboozle Jane's side when she was saying she was waking up and seeing Taco Bell wrappers all over the place, because uh, who amongst us hasn't? Who amongst us hasn't woken up and found Taco Bell wrappers on your kitchen counter? Ladies, am I right? So the fact that this was happening to her... I was starting to relate and empathize and get it. And so now she's training because she wants to get out of that funk. So then they send the trainer away. And Garcelle and Bamboozle Jane sit and talk. And Garcelle says, are you going to apologize to Sutton? And Erica's like, no, why would I do that? And Garcelle's like, well, you threatened her. She's like, no, I didn't. And then they do that thing where the editors show the footage of her actually threatening Sutton. And so that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. And then Erica is convinced that she didn't. She's convinced. She's like, I'm not apologizing. And she says, too, she'll she'll never get away from widows and orphans. And then she says it was disproven. And Garcelle's like, okay, like, I don't think so, but okay. Like, you could tell Garcelle didn't know. (laughs) Garcelle's done a lot of scene work in both reality and scripted. And never has uh, Garcelle ever been in a scene where she didn't know how to react less than this scene. When Erica was saying that everything's been disproven, Garcelle, it was like, she shock on her face. She's like, okay, like, well, if this isn't true, why didn't the press write about it? And Erica keeps saying it was disproven. And even the producers, this is how you know the producers are against Erica, because they kept in all that footage of the producer, which they don't normally do. Again, they did maybe a couple seasons ago when we had the Denise drama. Remember, the producer was in the scene. He's like, Denise! Get real, Denise! And then he was mad, and they came in the scene. (laughs) So they don't normally do it, but every once in a while they make an exception. But they usually make an exception when they hate the wife, you know, when they hate the cast member. And so this is when it was clear to me that Bravo hates Erica Jane because they kept the producer in. Who was producer was asking, how was it disproven? And that was when Erica Jane was like, Bravo could do their due diligence and they could read everything that's out there. And then, uh, Erica, this is a good actually tactic. And I really commend her because what she's really doing is just. She's just playing the rest of the season. It seems as though Eric is going to play the rest of the season as if she's innocent, even though there's no proof about anything being innocent. Although, I mean, they do say innocent until perfect guilty, so I understand that. But it's a fascinating play. Like, oh, I'm just going to say these things have been disproven, and then no one will be able to say... It. Like, it's a very smart... It's a very smart Machiavellian... I don't know if that's the right word... But it's a very smart thing. And I think there's some secrets there. Obviously, she's got some secrets. My baby's got a My baby's got some secrets. And so I'm curious to see those secrets be revealed. And I am I hope they are. But she's playing it as if there are no secrets and everything is fine. She says she's legally separated from uh, Tommy Two-Tones, but she's not able to divorce him yet because he's incompetent, apparently. She's like, I'll divorce him when I can. But there's just so much, there's so many red flags here. And the fact that, I don't know, it's just so crazy. And is that man, inco- I mean, Tom Girardi, her, her ex or whatever, is he incompetent? Like, what happened there? I remember he said he was incompetent, but is he incompetent? Like, what's happening there? Tommy Two-Tones, we need to get him on the line. We need to get him on the line. Somebody asked, too, if you're new to the Everything Iconic uh, Beverly Hills Recaps, you might be wondering, why are we calling him Tommy Two-Tones? Why is she bamboozled Jane? And we don't know. We don't know. They just are the nicknames we're going with. And so hop on board, get on the train, or get off the train. (laughs) That's what we say around here. It's the greatest bamboozlement I've ever accomplished. So uh, Tom is also in a facility, I guess. So maybe he is. I don't know. We need to figure out what's going on with Tom. Tommy Two-Tones. Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy, can you hear me? So then we get to Dorit. She's back from her trip. She's in the backyard doing karate with the kids. She said, Jagger's always shown an interest in martial arts. Then Dorit says, her and Garcella are buddies now. They got uh, to a good place. Last season they weren't. They got to a good place. Dorit looked a little different to me. I don't know. Was she wearing like less, less makeup or less glam or something? I'm not sure. Then that was the same night, though, that she had the robbers show up. Oh, you guys, even talking about it's hard. And then we see the news footage. We cut to 8.30 a.m. There's news footage of the next day. Rinna and Erica and Kyle go to the house. And we see the paparazzi footage of them going to Dorit's house. And I kind of, yeah, I was like, oh, I thought when I saw those shots of them going to her house, I thought that meant they were filming there. But they weren't filming it. They just showed up there. Then we cut to 1 p.m. Lisa Rinna and Crystal are together. And you guys, it's fascinating. There were these rumors that I had heard beforehand about Dorit being demoted. So I don't know if anyone had heard these. I had heard Dorit was being demoted. And there was a kind of this conspiracy theory going around of like, oh, she this was a lie or something like this robbery situation, which I don't think anyone would actually lie about that. I mean, I would hate, I mean, I could would lose hope in all humanity if somebody lied about a robbery and a gun to your head. However, It was this rumor, and I just have to say that I think the fact that they were filming at Dorit's house when Jagger was doing karate, that proves that Dorit was not going to be demoted, because normally they wouldn't film at someone's house without another housewife if they were demoted. Does that make sense? And we didn't see Garcelle on the other end of that line. Like, we saw her through the phone, but they didn't have cameras at Garcelle's house. They had cameras at Dorit's house. So if they had cameras there that day before the robbery, that means Dorit was planned to be full-time, I would imagine. So I just wanted to debunk that myth. I mean, there may be more to it than that that I'm not privy to. I'm just saying that's what I would believe to be true, because they had camera people at Dorit's house. So then we see Kyle's Belair house. And Sutton shows up and I was a little confused because, oh, well, we didn't even talk about this. Sutton actually, she, uh, she completely does not believe Dorit. She does not believe. She said, I have things going on too. Cause Kyle's like, can you believe what happened to Dorit? And Sutton's like, well, I got a lot of the, uh, balls in my air that I, or what's the phrase? She's like, I got a lot of pots that are running over on my, what, what is the phrase I'm trying to say? A lot of balls up in the air or a lot of, a lot of pans that need, um, pots that need lids or something. You guys know what I'm trying to say. A lot of balls up in the air. She's got to juggle. And so Kyle's like, well, what balls do you have to juggle up in the air? And Sutton's like, well, you know, the designer is supposed to come from my store, and then he got held up or something. And Kyle's like, oh, I thought you were going to say something more serious because uh, Dorit was just held at gunpoint and robbed. And Sutton's like, well, whatever. It's all relative. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Sutton's like, I wasn't held at gunpoint. Sorry. It's been a weird day. For me, and it was like this is so weird, you guys. What's going on with Sutton? What is happening there? How, why? Who? What? Why? Does Sutton know more that we don't know, or is Sutton just being completely insensitive? Because I took it as Sutton just being completely insensitive. And last year, it seemed like Sutton was the only one who was speaking up against Erica Jane, and now it seems like Sutton's going to be the one speaking up against Dorit. But I don't know that that's the right play. Like I don't know. If I was uh advising Sutton, I would say maybe you need to not do that because I don't think again, I would just hope for all of humanity that somebody and maybe by the end of the season I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be the what crazy one. But I just hope that Dorit wouldn't make up a gunpoint robbery situation for camera time on this reality show. So I don't know, it was a weird thing. So we and Sutton didn't again outright say it, but she was very clearly giving us that right. Like she didn't outright say, "I don't believe Doreen," but she was like, "Well, I got a lot going on too." It was like, it was fucked up. It was fucked up. I was watching. What the fuck? Then uh, we cut to the Andes. Apparently, Rina's planning for Harry's seventieth uh, birthday. She's fifty-eight. He's seventy. I didn't realize it was such a big gap between them. Not that it's twelve years. Not that that big of a gap, but. Uh, I've actually been seeing Harry a lot lately in person. I don't know why this is. I don't know what's going on. He doesn't know who I am. I don't say anything, but I've seen him in person and he looks good for 70. Like I keep, it's been a weird thing in the off season since we've last been with the Beverly Hills women. I feel like I've seen Harry like at the grocery store on the hiking trail. Like I keep seeing him pop up places and I'm like, Oh, I think that's Harry Hamlin. And so he looks good for 70. I have to say, I've seen him in person again. Never once said anything to him in person because I'm too scared. I'm too scared to say, what am I going to say? Harry Hamlin. <laughs> the one time I saw him, I was like almost going to shout, like, Harry Hamlin! Instinctively, because it's like, we think we know these people through the TV. But I did not do that. And then I felt like I kept... The universe kept putting me in in, in close range with Harry Hamlin. So I just have to say, in person, it looks good for 70. Good, good for him. Now Sutton she's also throwing shade at Erica in the confessional regarding Erica Jane dating people. Sutton says she's rich, so she's not looking for a rich man, but Erica is, which is crazy. And this was, oh, so this was when actually Sutton and Kyle were sitting down and talking. This is something we need to talk about, actually. So sit tight, little bear. Pull over for driving. Because Kyle said that last year at Kathy's dinner party, remember that dinner party where Erica Jane was like, or what, or what, ah. And she was yelling at Sutton, or what? <clears throat> you know, she was just like really, a demon took over her body and she started yelling at Sutton. Well, Kyle, the Splits Richards, says that she felt bad for Erica Jane that night and wishes she would, I was like, what is going on? Like, Erica was being so mean that day. What is happening? I don't now. I, uh, I am I crazy? Am I crazy? Maybe I'm missing something, but it just seems so weird. Like, even if, Okay, I understand that these women are friends. You know, they have what they call the Fox Force 5. It's like Erica, Rinna, Kyle, Dorit, and the other one, all in with Mellencamp. They're all buddies in real life. I get it. And I support you support your friends. You got your ride or dies. I understand that. But it just seems like you still, if one of my best friends like being so publicly mean to someone on camera for a TV show, I wouldn't care if I was their ride or die. I'd be like, you're being an asshole. And my friend would probably be like, yeah, I am. Like, you know, you are able to call out your best friend. So if they are best friends, I would imagine that Kyle should be able to tell Erica, okay, like, yeah, I want to be there for you, but you're being a dick, and so I can't. And I think, would think I would want that as a best friend. You would want your best friend to tell you that, right? Like, I would want my friend to be like, hey, Danny, you're being a dick. You're being a complete asshole, and there's cameras here so uh, I'm not going to be nice to you right now because you're being so rude to production, to the other cast members, to everybody. But instead, Kyle watched the footage and was like, oh, I actually should have been nicer to her. And I was like, am I fucking nuts? And then meanwhile, remember that scene last season with P.K. and Mauricio when they are making fun of Erica and the uh, Tommy Two-Tones? Well, apparently Erica's really pissed at Mauricio, but not as pissed as she is about Sutton. And she sees Mauricio, and she's like, "She's like, bitch, you hurt my feelings." And Mauricio's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And then they move on really quick. And I was like, "What?" It was all so weird to me. And I know they had bigger things going on, like the Dorit situation had sort of superseded the fight between Mauricio and Erica. I get that, but it still seemed really odd to me. It was all so fucked up. It was all so fucked up. And then Dorit shows up, no makeup. She left. I thought it was kind of this is judgy of me. I'm sorry. Did anyone think... I shouldn't even say this. I'm going to anyway. Did anyone think it was weird? Because this was like, either the next night... I think it was like one or two nights after this robbery happened. Then Dorit was at Kyle's house without the kids. And I thought that was weird. Like, didn't anyone think it was weird that she left the kids? And I don't want to judge. Obviously, she's been through so much, but this podcast is me supposed to be judging. So, I just thought it was strange that... And maybe the... I don't think the kids were there, because we saw them get in the car. So... In, in a world, I could imagine like maybe Dorit bringing the kids and they're playing upstairs with Porsche or something, but they weren't even there, so it's like Dorit left the kids with, I don't know, some, maybe somebody else. I'm not saying she's being a bad parent. I'm just saying it was strange to me. Again, she seems like a wonderful parent. She's protected the kids at all costs. So, yes, we love that. I just thought it was strange. I don't know. Maybe I'm being nuts. And then Dorit tells the whole story about the, I can't even repeat it. It was too dark to me. It was too, she, she said, uh, I can't even say it. Erica tells her to go get therapy. And I thought that was great advice. And I think that's great advice for anybody. Therapy is good for anybody and everybody. Dorit though, she was freaking out too, because the dogs were barking at Kyle's house and she's like scared. She's got, obviously got a lot of PTSD and she's like, I don't want to be scared anymore. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the whole thing, and then I was kind of getting in like a weird conspiracy theory place, like Sutton, because I felt like they kept pointing out the gun thing, and it felt like production. And maybe I watched this episode twice because the first time I watched it, I really thought production was trying to point something out to us, try to point out a flaw in the story, or trying to point out something. And ultimately, I watched it twice, and I I didn't. After the second time I watched it, I didn't feel that way. But the first time I watched it, I was like. That scene where they left Kyle's house and PK couldn't find his phone, then had to go back in. I felt like I had missed something or production was trying to point out like something about the phone was important to us. And then ultimately I think they were just trying to point out that Dorit is like still going through it emotionally, and so she had to stop and take a seat on the bench and kind of relax for a minute. But it was something was weird to me. I don't know. I something was weird to me. Something was weird. All of it was weird. I, and they kept pointing out the gun and the phone thing with the robbers. Like they kept pointing out the robbers said to leave the phone at the at the door or at the gate for 40 seconds or count to 40. And then when they showed PK leaving his phone like that, I really was like being a nutball and being like, oh, is, are they trying to tell us something? But I think they were just trying to say like, this is intense. And I think they also didn't want to edit that stuff too much. Like they pretty much wanted it to let play out so that we could just see the rawness of it. But I think that's how they've tricked me, these shows, is because then I'm reading into everything. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be reading into this. I'm crazy. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that Anyway, when PK showed up at that place and he was like saying he was so worried about her and uh, she's like, we're okay, Bubba. They kept doing the Bubba work, which I I get a little PTSD with the Bubbas because now that over on Vanderpump Rules, we know Katie Maloney and her Bubba have split. Now I'm concerned with the Bubbas. A lot of Bubba work happening. A lot of Bubba work happening on, on the Real Houses of the Hills Beverly. And then... Dorit did say also, I wrote this in, she says, when it comes to matters of the heart, he's not as strong as I am. Because Piquet was being a little mushy. And Piquet, he just felt bad. He's like, I couldn't believe I was, oh, it broke my heart. Mauricio hugs Piquet. And then Dorit, oh, this was really funny. This was funny. And we're not laughing. This is funny, though. Everyone needs to go back and rewind. So there was this weird hug moment where Mauricio hugged Piquet. And then Dorit kind of joined in the hug, and she awkwardly kisses Mauricio's sort of back or arm. It was really... (laughs) It was so weird, and I just have... I need you to all go watch it again. And, of course, we're all grieving. We've all been through a trauma on this show, so I understand they're not paying attention to where they're putting their lips. But there was a weird moment where Dorit just accidentally sort of kissed Mauricio's arm or back or something, and I was like, what is going on here? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It, it made me think of: um, Do you ever accidentally hug someone, and you're like, not you're, you're trying to move your head to one side, and they're trying to move it to another side, and then you accidentally just like kiss somebody on the lips, and you're like, how did I kiss you on the lips? Like I don't, know. <laughs> or you don't know if somebody's going in for a kiss, and so you both just sort of awkwardly, accidentally go in for a lip, uh, a kiss, and then you end up kissing each other on the lips. And uh, those kind of moments always make me laugh. But again, they were going through trauma, so I get it. I get it. Then the episode ends with that scene. Again, I thought I was missing something, but I think it was just uh, traumatic for everybody involved. That was the end of the episode, you guys. It was a thrilling finale, although very dark and very heavy, and my heart goes out to the whole uh, PK family, whole Dorit and PK family. We love them, and we're sending their, our love. And this season, we get Diana Jenkins coming, Erica versus Garcelle, and Crystal, and Kathy, ugh. You guys, they had a, it was a jam packed premiere. I mean, so much loaded into the. We're so embarrassment of riches. I mean, one of the most compelling. I think. Oftentimes we're critical on everything iconic of these episodes, but I think this was one of the most compelling episodes of TV I've seen in some time. And and let me just remind you that we're in season. I don't know what season are we in in Beverly Hills. We're past season ten. Are we ten, eleven? I don't know what we're in. But we are in getting near the double digits, if we're not already there already. So it's pretty amazing that this many seasons in, they could still deliver such a thrilling, compelling premiere. And uh, it's just a lot. It's a we have a lot. We got we got ourselves a season, ladies and gentlemen. We got ourselves a season. So sit back, relax, and we're going to be diving into all of this. Money. Got a secret. We used to play that for Denise. Who I, I still miss, Denise. I know it's not a popular opinion, and I know we're never gonna see Denise Richards again ever. But I still, I, I still miss our little, our little queen, Denise. Uh, okay, you guys, that's the end of the episode. I want to remind you that we will not be recapping The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills next week because I am on a little hiatus from recaps, so there will still be new episodes, so be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to Everything Iconic. Hit that subscribe or follow button. And uh, there will be new episodes. I have a great interview with Carlos King coming on Sunday night where we talk all about Housewives Bravo, all stuff. He was a producer on... Atlanta and New Jersey. Super great conversation. So tune into that. And then we have lots of other great interviews coming. And then I will be back after a short hiatus with the recaps. But I just want to let you know that uh, Beverly Hills will not be a recapped next week. So just uh, know that in the words of Alison Debaugh and her e-cig. Know that. Know that. Okay, shall we do our little cheesy cool down? I think we need to take a little breather. And I'm going to miss you guys, because I know I'm going to be watching the episode of Beverly Hills, and I'm going to be wishing I could recap it, because it's hard to go those weeks without being able to recap it. I'm going to miss y'all. But it's going to be a short hiatus, and again, there will still be new episodes, so tune in. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in, and just hold it. I want to thank all the mothers out there. Uh, you can breathe out now. It was Mother's Day this past week. And so I just want to wish every mother out there a happy belated Mother's Day and all the motherly maternal figures out there. Want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. If you have mother energy, I want to wish you a happy belated Mother's Day. So I think moms are the best people on earth. I mean, truly no one better than a mother. No one better than a mom. And so I want to thank all the moms out there. Thank Linda Pellegrino. Uh, my mother, love her dearly. And, um, yeah hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. And back again Sunday night with a new episode uh, with Carlos King. So tune in there. We love you all so much for listening. Stay safe.